Welcome to the Rebecca McCann Show, where we dive headfirst into the unfiltered reality of business, steering far away from the Instagram perfect facade. I'm your host, Rebecca McCann, and I'm thrilled you're here. Let's tear down the unpolished filters to unveil the real story of entrepreneurship, uncover the truths, struggles, and the triumphs. Get ready for real talk, actionable steps, and conversations that will leave you so fired up and ready to take your business to the next level. So hit the subscribe button and let's build your business one friendly chat at a time. So if you follow me on Instagram, you will see that I put a question box up over the weekend and the one question that kept coming in is the same question I get in my DMs, it's the same question I get on the comments on my posts and I get asked it whenever I go to an event and share my story or do a talk and that is, what are my biggest mistakes? So I seen and I thought, you know what, let's just discuss it on the pod. Let's share my biggest mistakes on here because I'm so proud of every single one because it showed me that I took a risk and it taught me a lesson that I've been able to go forward with knowledge and be able to do better and better and better. So I'm going to dive into them right here today with you. But the first thing I wanted to think about this, when I see that question come up, I always think, why are people asking me this question? And I almost feel like maybe it's because they want to feel less alone. Maybe if they saw more people being more honest and vulnerable about the mistakes that they've made, maybe then they would feel maybe less alone in the mistakes they've made, or maybe they would feel more at ease in taking a risk because they know that failure is really just part of the process. So they're my two reasons as to why I've decided to kind of cover this this week. And I really, really hope that some of the things I talk through here help you and allow you to not have to make the same mistakes that I did. So let's just drive straight into it. I'm going to go with my first one, which is overspending. Now, I talk a lot about launching lean, and I say this because I didn't. (laughs) Not in my first business anyway. My other businesses, I launched super lean, which allowed them to become very profitable very, very quickly. But my first business, I didn't. And that was through lack of knowledge. It was probably also through, you know, the pressure of seeing what the internet tells me that I needed to do, what people around me told me that I needed to do. And I'm not passing the book here. I take full accountability for every decision that I've ever made. But I didn't start lean. And I didn't really understand the how important that was until, you know, year three or four of my business. So what do I mean when I say that? Let me break it down. When I started my business, I did a lunch party. It cost a lot of money because I was told you had to have a launch party to really make a mark. When I launched into Selfridges at three months old, and the business was three months old, I spent almost £20,000 on a stand, because I was told to launch into such a prestigious store in the middle of the traffic centre, you need to have a real solid stand. So I spent all this money on a stand that I was then going to utilise at trade shows, but it was so heavy, it just could not be moved around the UK to go to trade shows. It took five men to set it up. So not only was the stand super expensive, the storage, the manoeuvring, the setup was a massive expense that I just couldn't afford. And that stand actually ended up getting smashed to pieces and put into a skip about three years ago after we had moved around all our new sites as the warehouse grew. So it was a complete and utter waste of money. And when I went on to launch Sleep London, we launched into Harvey Nichols, Sephora and Bloomingdale's with no stand, nothing. So you don't always need to spend those big bucks. And we didn't really, I say we because at the beginning of ProBlo, I very much emphasised it as a we, it was ProBlo group. When, if you follow me, you will know, it was just me for a very long time. So it's just like, I just say we automatically without actually thinking about what I'm saying. I should say I, I should do better with that. But anyway, I spent that money. I didn't need to. I then went into PR agencies because I was promised 
press, I was promised PR, I was promised the glossies and yeah we got a little bit but nowhere near the amount that we promised and we signed into a retainer for six months with high monthly costs so my lesson there is please 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 unless you really have to do not sign into any sorts of retainers if you want to work with somebody then you want to push back and go on the longer lines of I want to work with you but I want to work a month in arrears so that I know I have some sort of control if I don't get the delivered resource that I'm promised to get or I want to put something into a contract that stipulates if we don't get X pieces of delivered content, then we will be, you will obviously send us back some of the cash that we've paid. So just be really careful of that. And I know when you are a new business and you're starting up, it's really difficult to push back on that because you feel like, you know, you're new in the industry, you maybe don't have the backbone or the confidence to turn around and be like, no, this is not a contract I'm willing to sign, but you really can and you have to and you must because I didn't for so long. For so long, I felt like, I don't want to say the underdog because I was always so confident in my ability and so sure the business would work but I felt like I couldn't push back on certain things because I didn't want to look like I was I guess playing at it or that I wasn't really you know big time well I wasn't <laughs> but you know I think it just kind of gets in your head a little bit so definitely push back on contracts when they come in I'm not saying don't work with people there's some great people you can work with but just do it in a way that protects you and another thing is the availability of what you can do yourself now. So if I go back to my first business, it was 2014, I was launching Probler Group. There wasn't really apps. Shopify wasn't even around, right? So I had to pay a web designer to design my website. Now, he did a phenomenal job and I have nothing but respect for him. But it's a different time today than it was eight years ago. So whereas I spent, you know, £14,000 on this website to be built, and that was on mates rates as well. Can we just add in there? Um, while I spent that, you, 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 when I say you so many times, I need you to hear it when I say it, you can go away today and start a Shopify store for like, I think it's less than a dollar for the initial three months right now, which comes back to like, you know, less than 80p in sterling pounds with the conversions today. So you can go and start your Shopify store today for that price a website right and if you want to build that website and build the graphics you can go on canva and i think you can get it free for a couple of weeks or a month and then you can pay if you want to get certain elements of it or you can stay on the free option and you can build all of the graphics through drag and drop you literally like they've built these apps so they are so simple to use and anything you don't know you can just go into google type it in and i promise you there will be somebody with a tutorial showing you exactly how to do it so I am not a tech person, I'm not a tech expert, but for me, I've been working on this, this magenta coded website for years, and it got to Easter, I think maybe like six years into the business, and I was like, this is crazy, I can't even change the banner on my website without having to pay my guy to do it, because it's all coded. So I remember sitting with my accountant and looking through all the money that had been spent on this website, and I was just, my, I, I couldn't believe we had spent thousands upon thousands of pounds, I'm talking upwards towards about £100,000 on getting changes consistently done. And I was like, this is crazy. I've heard there's something come up called Shopify. I'm gonna have a look at it. And I remember locking myself in the office at my, my parents' house for the Easter weekend, four days. And I was like, I'm gonna build this website if it kills me because I need to have that level of control. One, because admittedly, I do love to have control. And two, because the cost was astronomical compared to what we could save ourselves. So I did it. I locked myself in this room and I built this website. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. I've definitely developed it over time and it's got better and better. But the, the point I'm trying to get across here is you don't have to be a tech expert. You just have to be willing to try 
you have to be willing to sit there and learn and accept that what might take you an eight, you know, five, six hours to do today, once you've got your head around it, you're going to do it super quick the next day. Only a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to build some zaps. I'd never even heard the word zaps. I was trying to build something on Zapier for the, you know, this podcast and all this stuff I'm trying to put out there in terms of helping people build their business. And I didn't know how to do it. And it took me hours to build the first one. I'm talking hours and hours and hours, probably about seven hours over a couple of days I spent trying to build this really simple zap. But now I can do it in about two minutes. If I do that, I can build one. So just accept it's going to take time. Just because you're taking you time, it doesn't mean you're not able to do it. So the more you can do yourself, and I'm not saying forever, as you build your company, as your company grows, of course, you can bring in teams and you can outsource. But right now, if you're listening to this and you want to start your business, you want to get it off the ground, or you're selling solely on TikTok shop, or you're only selling on Etsy or eBay and you want to start, then just just jump straight into it and figure it out that's my best advice to you so I also have a list of apps here that I just thought I would share with you because again they're going to help you do it yourself do it super low cost so if you want to if you're listening to this then scribble these down in the notes in your phone obviously not if you're driving but you know you get the gist so Canva I mentioned is great for design Shopify is great for website it's what I work on but there's also Wix and WordPress as well Now, ChatGBT, there's lots of different variations of AI, but using AI in your business is super, super helpful for literally anything. So if you're writing product descriptions, if you use AI, it's going to give you a product description with keywords that that it knows is going to convert customers. If you're writing, you know, terms and conditions or returns policies, it's going to write it for you at the click of a button. So it's going to save you so much time and it will make it, you know, bespoke for your business and um, it's just such a great, great tool. There's so many ways you can use it. You can use it for blogs, you can use it for social media captions. What I would say is always look at it, you know, personalize it and make sure that you're happy with it. Sometimes it can come across quite formal. You can just say, you know, go back to the app and say, rewrite it in a more friendly way and it will do just that. So it's definitely worth having a look at that as you're building out the business. Then a not so glamorous one is QuickBooks. QuickBooks is a great tool to use for your accounting Talking of mistakes, (laughs) I didn't do any sort of bookkeeping for the first two years. I was just obsessed with making this business work and getting the product seen. And so when it comes to it, I just had this bag of receipts. If you use QuickBooks from the get-go, you can actually put your phone and put it onto your phone. You can put your bank card and all those details in it. And every time you make a payment, it will automatically log the payment in your QuickBooks. So it makes your accounting super quick and super easy. So go ahead and try that one. These are not, none of these are affiliated, by the way. I'm just sharing with you what I wish I'd have had access to all that time ago. If you are scheduling your content, I would say Hootsuite is a great app to use. However, I would also say a lot of it you want to be doing live and be engaging on the apps, especially as you're starting and building your business. Then for email marketing, we used to use MailChimp. It's very popular, but we've moved to OmniSend because we found it a lot more cost effective. So have a look at those. If you do have a team or you're working with people, you can use Slack. And another one that I didn't know, that I wish I'd have known for years ago, was Fiverr. Fiverr is essentially like an online platform. It's spelled F-I-V-E-R. And you go on and you type in anything you want. You could type in, I don't know, um, podcast intro. Or you could type in design my office. It could be literally anything. Like if you need packaging design, if you need graphic design, if you need somebody to come in and edit something for you, put something together, create content, whatever it might be, you can find them on Fiverr. Even down to like, which I want to talk about shortly, is the analytics and the tracking and the importance of doing that. 
if you want to have your Facebook ads connected to your website, which of course you do, so you can check the analytics, you need to make sure the pixels are all in place. And those pixels are a lot more complex now than they used to be because of all the changes with GDPR and things like that. So you can pay somebody on Fiverr something around like $20 to set up all of your pixels for you. So, you know, there's these options out there that don't cost you a fortune, but a lot of people don't want to talk about them because they want to sell you the bigger picture. They want to make you pay a lot more for it. So have a look on Fiverr. There's also what I like about Fiverr is the fact that every single person on there has the number of reviews and you can see the reviews. So straight away, if you type in like a job, they call it a gig. If you type in a gig, so for example, you and your pixels do when you type in Facebook pixel support, it will bring up like hundreds of people who can offer you that service, what their pricing is, how many days to deliver the work, and the number of reviews they have. And you can see those reviews on there, and they're all legitimate, and it's all a very monitored site. So I would definitely recommend that. I've only got great things to say about Fiverr. It's really helped me out in times I've needed it as well. I hope that is helpful in where to spend, where not to waste money in the beginning stages. And then there's other things. So for example, if you're running samples and you're running samples from China or India or wherever it may be, if you print a sample, say packaging, for example, until you know the packaging is exactly what you want it to be in shape and size and material, don't pay them to print on it because that doesn't matter. So work off a basic white box, for example, to begin with and get that right, the right size, the right thickness, do your testing, do your drop testing, make sure you're super happy with it and then ask them to put the print on because every time it runs a print and you have your color print on there, it's going to be a significantly higher cost. So you just things like that are really where you can kind of cut costs down. And these are not massive costs, but I promise you, they will definitely add up over time. So launch lean and stay lean as long as you possibly can. That is number one. <laughs> I hope that was helpful. I feel like this is a very, like I'm just throwing a lot of information into this podcast, but I just wanted to kind of just give you some tips. So number two is I didn't track my data for the longest time. And when you hear people say it, it's not sexy, it's very boring. Track your data, track your analytics. I promise you, it will come back to you 10 times if you do this. So anything that you do in your business, you have to track it. You have to know the data because that data is telling you the answers to everything you need to know. So if you are you know, pushing out some ads or if you are doing spans or if you are driving traffic through Google or if you are running an ad on your site or if you are doing an offer, whatever it might be, you need to be consistently tracking the data and really understand it. So you can do it through, if, for example, if you shop on Shopify, if you your website Shopify, then you can do your Shopify data. And in the back end of Shopify, you can input things like your cost price of your product and all this information that the customer won't see, but it will allow you to get a much more detailed report. For example, it will tell you your profit breakdowns after your landing costs and things like that. So take the time to put the data into Shopify so that the analytics that Shopify gives you are really, really strong and a really informative analytics. You want to be also checking onto Google Analytics. So you need to sync your Google Analytics to your website because that again gives you a more in-depth view. It's going to show you where your customers are coming from. It's going to show you where they're clicking in from. It's going to show you what site, how long they spend on the site, where they drop off the site, or what pages they're clicking through to and all of this information. Now, there is so much data. You do not need it all. What I would suggest you do is you build yourself a brand deck. So just one spreadsheet and in the one spreadsheet, 
you just put in there the key things that really matter in your business today and that would be different for everybody so for example for me we're an e-commerce sales business I want to know how many people are clicking on the site what the conversion rate is what the drop off rate is where are we losing people how many clicks are people doing before they check out because these are the things that we can monitor and we can make better and improve to help our conversion so make that deck and keep a track of your analytics for me i would say our google analytics and our facebook analytics and our google shop analytics are our top three and we monitor them consistently so really understand the data and if you get it in your head that 99.9 percent .9 of the decisions that you make are going to come from your numbers then it takes away that feeling of it being personal and I don't for me business is not personal so you know you might be listening to this thinking no it is personal like it's my baby and I you know I want to make the decisions with my heart because that's what matters and that's fine but if you are in this game because you want to make the most financial you know you make the most money out of it then you need to allow the numbers to make those decisions not always but a lot of the time I wanted to also talk about a mistake <laughs> and I guess I'm sharing this one because I don't want you to feel it. If you sat there and you're listening to this and you're thinking like, I have made a huge mistake. She hasn't made any really big ones and let me just share this one with you because this might make you realise that you are human and we all make mistakes. So taking it back, the business was about two and a half, three years old and I was getting ready to move us into a new warehouse, we'd outgrown our space. So I took a space in Trafford Park in Manchester, um, this unit, and it was, you know, £20,000 a year plus about £15,000 a year rates. So I took the unit and before I signed the contract, there was an option to take a solicitor to site to create a report. Now this was going to cost me £3,500 and I just didn't have it, I didn't have three and a half grand spare to go and, you know, get a solicitor to walk around a building, check it was okay. So I decided, I asked my dad and we went down to the warehouse and we walked around, we took all these pictures, put this report together and we took a picture of everything like a mark on the floor, you know, a little dint in the bathroom, one of the walls, because I wanted to make sure that when we left the unit that I wasn't going to be charged for anything. So I put this report together, printed it all out, I put copies everywhere, I put a copy in my warehouse, I put a copy um, in my office, I stored it on my Google Drive, I asked my dad to keep one and I gave one to my accountants, right? So I'm thinking like, check, 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 I've got this nailed. Fast forward three and a half years later, I come to leave the unit. So I bring somebody in to paint and decorate and put it back in a better condition than it actually was. And then that was it, done. Handed the keys over, life is good. I'm packing my suitcase a few weeks later to take my mum to New York, right? And I get this email and it comes in from the landlord agency and I'm like, oh, that's strange. I wonder, I wonder why they're emailing me. And it says, dilapidations report. <laughs> Just saying that word, and just shut it down my arm. <laughs> dilapidations report. I didn't even know what the word meant. I'd never heard the word, didn't know what it meant. So I opened this email. And essentially, they've sent me a dilapidations report, which is their invoice for all of the work that they believe needs to happen on this unit since I've taken the lease. There is things in there like roof tiles, like internal infrastructure, guttering, all these things that were nothing to do with us. Like, nothing. We had literally used the inside of the warehouse and then left. So there were so many things in this list, in this invoice, and it comes over £200,000, right? They were coming after me for over £200,000. I didn't have the money and you know this is not £200,000 worth of like cash in the bank this is £200,000 worth I've had to have made that in profit to be able to give this to them 
I just didn't have it. So I remember thinking like, oh my gosh. And in that moment, I'm, I'm very calm in a crisis. I was like, it's a situation. It is what it is. I'll figure it out. So the next morning I get up and I fly down to London with my mum and we're waiting to take a flight to New York. Obviously my mum's oblivious and I just say to her like, I'm just going to pop out of the room and make a phone call. So I'm walking to call them and I just think, I've got three options. I, you know, I go crazy and scream at them. I cry poverty or I pay it. They're my three options. So I went for option two, I'm going to cry poverty. I'm going to literally tell them that I will go bankrupt before you get this money because I just don't have it. And then that's what I did. I rang them, had a very uncomfortable phone call. And I was like, look, the reality is I don't have this money to pay. I'm not liable for this. Like, what are my options? These are huge companies, so I knew I couldn't go against them. So long story short, this drags on for two years of back and forth phone calls. Every time I have to speak to my solicitor, there's a phone call charge. Every letter my solicitor sends to them, it's a thousand pound charge. So the bill is racking up and I'm, you know, it's two years back and forth, back and forth. And in the end, we settled out of court for a large amount of money. <laughs> it wasn't the £200,000, but it was a lot of money. Um, tens of thousands of pounds that I had to pay to settle out of court. And the lesson from there is just spend the £3,000. Like, I didn't have it. I should have waited till I could get it. And then when I got it, I should have spent it, had the initial reports done, and I wouldn't have been in that situation. But I didn't know what I didn't know. When I did my own little report, very naively, but I did it my way, I really believed that I was being really overly cautious and sensible. So I'm not mad at myself for not getting the legals in to do the £3,000 checks because I just didn't know. But it come back and it bit me in the backside very heavily. <laughs> and it was a lesson learned. And it was a tough lesson to learn. But either way, I've never done it again. So I want you to take two things from that story. One, if you make a mistake, don't blame yourself for that mistake if you've made a mistake but you've made it with the best intentions accept it is what it is and take the lessons from it and two just remember like you're not the only one who does it we've all done it and I think the real reason you know the real important reason I wanted to share that was because I think a lot of people from the messages that I get seem to think that I have just done what I have done and it's been very simple sailing and I want you to know that it isn't the case and I've made some royal f-ups and that's okay, so that was little operations. And my final mistake I wanted to share with you today is that I just did everything too soon. That's the truth. I started my first business. It was, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I was winging it. I was guessing my way. I had no mentor, no business plan. And I was just saying yes to every single opportunity that came my way because I just believed that if I didn't say yes, it was never going to come back around again. I also felt a pressure that, you know, I had to be able to stand there and perform to the level that people expected me to because of the growth of the business and with that comes a lot of stress a lot of pressure and a lot on my shoulders as like a young 27 year old girl so for me one thing that I tell everybody is like do it on your turn right so Problo grew too quick and what I mean by that is our sales increased year on year super quick at the very beginning and we went into multiple retailers very quickly we then went into multiple territories we launched a trade side of the business we went into America we went into the Middle East and all of these things, and it was amazing, and the growth was great, and externally, the business was flying, but behind the scenes, the operation side of the business was a mess, and I say that because I want to be super honest with you, I had no idea what I was doing, so, you know, all these sales were coming in, but we were bleeding cash from places we didn't even know we were bleeding money from, because nobody was taking charge of what was happening in the infrastructure of the business, because the focus was all about getting it out there and getting the sales in. So I did it too quick and it come back and it taught me a really big lesson. It taught me to do things slowly, 
get them right from the very beginning and build on my own time and that the only person that was ever really putting pressure on me was me and so I want you to take from this that when the retailers come knocking say yes when it suits you to say yes in your business because I promise you if they want you today they're going to want you in six months time and when you go into retailers like I did really really quickly the cash flow the impact that it has on your supply chain the cash turn in terms of the 60 90 day payments all of these things they're going to really significantly impact your business and the ability to grow so I would say to you grow slowly on your terms so I'm going to wrap it up there because the feedback I got from my first episode was that you found the timing really useful because it wasn't too long and that I really just focused on one topic so I hope this has been valuable and I really really hope by me sharing some of these lessons as you've listened you've thought ah I need to do this or oh my gosh I do not need to do that either way whatever your thought process has been I hope it's been useful and that's a wrap for today's episode of the Rebecca McCann show Remember, success is built on authenticity and action. So go out there, do the work, be consistent and make it happen. And if you found value in today's episode, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an unfiltered conversation. If you have questions, thoughts, or you just want to connect, please do reach out to me on Instagram at Rebecca McCann. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, please remember, you are wildly capable.